guys. Welcome to the Atlas Podcast, episode 86. My name is Emma Loggins, editor-in-chief at fanbolt.com. And I'm Matt Rodriguez, the owner-in-chief editor of shakefire.com. And I'm Mike McKinney of last one to leave to theater.com and atlcw.tv. And while we still didn't have a lot of movie screenings this week, uh, we did some pretty cool stuff that we're going to we're going to chat a little bit about. Um, I want to start out with talking about what we did last Friday night, because it was probably one of the more aggravating experiences of my, <laughs> my life personally. Um, we went to this place called the Painted Duck over in uh, West Midtown, and I'll I'll let Matt tell you a little bit about uh, what all it entails. Yeah, so the Painted Duck, it's a newly opened place in Atlanta. Um, it's only been open about a month now. And it's this, it's basically what it um, features is duck pin bowling. That's the main attraction there. And for those of you who don't know what duck pin bowling is, it's it's basically like regular bowling, except much, 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 much more difficult in that <laughs> the balls are a lot smaller. You basically, you can palm the ball. There's only one size ball. That's the thing. And it has no holes, no finger holes. So you have, you have to palm it and you basically just throw it down the lane. It's 10 pins. I believe the pins are smaller as well. And they yeah, seem they they're, are. they're more spaced out too. So it's so much more difficult to get a strike which we never saw in the couple of hours we were there. We never saw anybody get a strike. And getting a spare was just rare as well. And um, to compensate for the increase in difficulty, you get three rolls per frame. And I believe everything else is, you know, similar to bowling. So, but yeah, that was that was quite the adventure. And um, they got a bunch of other games that you've probably never even heard of, like... Uh, Belgian feather bowling, which is a lot like bocce ball, um, knuckleball, toad in the hole, snook ball. So they got a bunch of these games that you can play. They, they're all free. The uh, the duck pin bowling, that's the one you pay for per lane and per hour. But um, the rest you can just come and go. It's first come, first serve kind of deal. And um, they got some great drinks, great food. Um, you guys had the food. I didn't have any of the food. It was amazing. Yeah. It was really um, good. If you do go, I suggest getting the Kentucky Nitro, which is this um, really good uh, cocktail that they have. It's one of their signature cocktails. It's uh, it's bourbon with uh, cold brew coffee, vanilla, pineapple, and bitters, and it's delicious. It's it's funny because when we ordered that, like the description sounds really good, and then you see pineapple, and you're like, wait, how's that work with coffee and bourbon and vanilla? But it was perfect. It was but a it really does. good drink. It does work, yeah. Like you don't, you don't really taste the pineapple. You don't. At all. Yeah. So. I feel like it's also important to to note from our experience because. Uh, not to say that I'm a great bowler normally because I'm not. Um, you are. You're great, Matt. <laughs> but uh, I am not. I was even worse at this. And uh, there's never been a perfect game of this uh, ever, ever bowled. Um, so three. It's, it's still the same high score, 300. And I think it was like 276 or Two, something? Yeah, 276 or 273, I believe, is like the highest score ever gotten. Ever? <laughs> nobody's <laughs> ever gotten. Nobody's gotten a perfect game. And I still... I still don't know if strikes are even possible because I haven't seen. I don't know either. It's uh, it was so aggravating because it's every time you throw the ball down the aisle, you're like, okay, this is it. It's like that feeling you get in bowling where you're like, okay, that's that's a strike. You know, it's a strike, and then you hit like two pins, yeah. and that's it. It's yeah. heartbreaking. I mean, like <laughs> I got the highest score of the night, which was eighty-two. <laughs> like in normal bowling, like that would be terrible for me. Like, I'm usually, yeah. like, in the 120s, 130s. You know, occasionally I'll have a good game in, like, the 150s or 60s. But, like, I'm normally in the 120s in bowling. So I'm like, I think that's okay. And then, you know, you come to duck pin bowling, and it's just, man, it's a whole new game. And But yes. I will say, like, the feeling I got when I got that spare was greater than, like, any strike or spare I've gotten in regular bowling because it it just feels so good because like you really feel like you earn it when you do it in duck pin bowling you do you do 
Um, so yeah, that was a really cool experience and the, the food was really good. I know um, Mike and I had the, was it the duck nuggets? Yeah, duck nuggets. That was really good. Their fries are amazing. They the also had some some sliders that were on um, Hawaiian bread, which people that know me know I'm obsessed with Hawaiian bread. Um, so that's really good. I definitely recommend that as well. But if you go, it is first come, first serve. And when we left, it was packed. Yeah. Um, so it's definitely something that if you're going on a Friday or Saturday night, um, try to get there between like six and seven if you can, because it's it gets crowded pretty quickly as the, the night goes on. Yeah. I'd do it again, though. I would, too. It was fun. It was fun. And the place has a really cool vibe, too. It's uh, it's. It's basically hipster central, but that's uh, <laughs> that's my preferred uh, my f- preferred type of place. And by, by the way, all the all the stuff they have, it's all indoors. So they even have indoor uh, horseshoes. Um, they have a basketball area. I mean, it's it's just it seems like every corner has got some sort of game you can play. Um, so it's a lot of fun. It is. It is. And it's something cool and different, too. Um, I thought we were just going regular bowling until I looked at their website and I was like, wait a minute, <laughs> what have I gotten us into? Um, so, yeah, that's uh, that's now open on the west side. And uh, we had another cool event this week. Uh, the Atlanta Jewish Film Festival opening night was uh, uh, January 24th, which was last night for us. It'll be two nights ago for you guys when this podcast comes out. Um, But a little bit of background on uh, the film festival. It was actually started in 2000 um, by the Atlanta Regional Office of American Jewish Committee, uh, abbreviated as AJC, which is a global advocacy organization that enhances the well-being of Jewish people in Israel throughout or through education outreach. The first, the first uh, Atlanta Jewish Film Festival welcomed about 1,900 filmgoers, and that grew to more than seven. 1,500 by 2006, and it's been growing ever since. And in 2010, when it celebrated its 10th birthday, they were looking at over 30,000 moviegoers. And uh, at that time, it was uh, some 70 narrative and documentary features and shorts that ran for 23 days across half a dozen venues throughout Metro Atlanta. And it's already Atlanta's single single largest film festival, but it's also the largest Jewish film festival in the world, attracting more than 38,600 moviegoers. So um, that's pretty cool. And we're going to talk a little bit about the film that we saw last night. Uh, but I want to take a, a, a moment to talk about the, the opening gala because it's... Um, you mean the food, def- right? The food. The food. <laughs> Let's talk about that the one food. restaurant. That one restaurant, they bring in this one restaurant from Israel that is absolutely amazing. And it's like the highlight of the gala every year. Um, they have a lot of a local um, local restaurants there, too. South City Kitchen, um, Jill Muir. Um, there, there's just a number of, of Atlanta restaurants there, too. Probably like, I don't know, like 10 to 15 yep. restaurants I'd in say, total. That- yeah, I'd say, I'd say around 15 because you also had all the pastry. Um, so. Yeah which was amazing too. So there was some great, um, there was a gluten-free bakery in Alpharetta that was there that was amazing. It was actually better than any donut I'd ever had. There were these little donut holes and it's unbelievable that they were gluten-free because they tasted amazing. Um, but yeah, so that was, that was pretty cool to be able to check that out and have a couple of drinks and mingle a little bit before the opening night film, um, which was Sammy Davis Jr., I've Gotta Be Me. And we'll we'll do an official review of that here in just a little bit. But uh, what was your thoughts of the, the gala, Mike? I enjoyed it. Um, it. It was just interesting to see all the different uh, food uh, items there were. And there were some, some rather uh, exotic ones. Um, and I don't remember exactly what they were. I just remember going, okay, I've never even heard of that before. So it was interesting <laughs> just to walk around and see what everybody was eating. And um, I enjoyed the, the pastrami sandwich from uh, General Muir. Um, that was really good. Uh, but that was just a, f- a fun night. And uh, they always put on a great, great show. And um, had a, there was a ton of people there. For that event, and then then for the film itself, there's even more people for the film. Yeah, it's uh, it's definitely an event if you can. Well, I mean, you have no reason not to be able to make it out. This runs through February 15th, so you've got weeks of 
of uh, films scattered all across Atlanta. So numerous, numerous opportunities to, to see something. But really next year, um, try to go to opening night if you can. It is worth going to that gala for that one restaurant alone, if nothing else. Um, <laughs> have you, have but you even said its name? Like, do you even know its I name? I need to Are you find out like, its name. I'm like that, that place, one restaurant from Israel. <laughs> yeah, it's like you're doing you're doing a fantastic job of promoting that restaurant. I know, no. I am. Well, I'm sure I'd probably butcher its name. Um, That's too. All right, I will. Speaking, I'll... speaking of butchering names, let's move on to the Oscar nominations. Did you <laughs> That's guys a watch? Perfect transition. Watch them? I did not watch the the announcement, because, but I, um, I read so, the articles. Yeah, because so. In case you didn't watch the the live announcements at like nine a.m. or uh, our time, which is like six a.m. over on the the West Coast, um, Andy Serkis and Tiffany Haddish made the announcements, and um, Tiffany Haddish had difficulties in pronouncing a lot of the nominees' names, um, including Daniel Kaluuya. Um, but that just reminded me so much. I was like, "That's Emma." It's like we should, we should get her on this podcast because Emma could. Then I feel have her a pain. Yeah. <laughs> hey, it's hard. It's hard when it you've got hard. this like list of names that like there's even if it, if it looks like it's like an everyday thing, but it's like an actor who had to slightly change their name because yeah. of you can't have two actors with the same name in Hollywood, and so it's just slightly different. And I don't know. I feel but, her pain. But, I but she even but she even messed up Missouri. I mean, she even, she pronounced what did she it. Say? Tiff- no, she said Missouri. Well, like, <laughs> I, so I remember seeing somebody on Twitter saying like, oh, I'm from Missouri and I don't even know how to say Missouri correctly anymore. Still, so it's, she said it. But it was, she had a lot of fun with it, though. I'll give her that. Like it was her and Circus both were great. I mean, I I feel like you've just kind of like I've owned it. Like I know I'm going to butcher names. Yeah. Like and I and I tell people like, you know, that's why like I hate doing um, like panels and moderating panels when I have to introduce people. Because I just I rather people introduce themselves so I don't embarrass them. <laughs> well, see, like if I'm doing that, like even for like when we do podcasts and stuff, or like if I'm interviewing somebody, you know, I will like go to YouTube and find mm-hmm. some instance where they are saying their name and like how to say it, and like I will go over it again and again in my head. Yeah. But sometimes that's that's what happens is you've yeah. gone over it too many times in your head and then you have a brain fart and then you can't remember how to say it. This literally happened to me like on stage in front of hundreds of people before. Just like, hey, so, you. <laughs> this person that's here from that show. It just happens. I mean, everyone's human. So you just kind of got to own it. Like yeah. everyone's messed up someone's name at some point. Um, but yeah, speaking about the, the nominations, um, you know, the biggest surprise for me is that uh, Disaster Artist and James Franco is like nowhere to be seen on any of these nominations, which is crazy because he won Best Actor at Golden Globe. Yeah. I mean, I think people saw that coming, though, kind of, especially because all the allegations and stuff of him came out right. like, I think it was like two weeks before the, or like no, weeks actually, maybe before no, it the actually the net. No, Madden. Actually, the allegations came out the the day before the the, the before. votes were okay. were due. So there wasn't oh. wasn't. I don't think it was as much an indication as I, I know. Franco's not exactly well liked in the Hollywood community, um, so that could be something to it also. Um, yeah, we had we had some really good nominations, especially like Greta Gerwig um, getting a nomination, um, which I think is just wonderful for for director. Um, and we had, you know, there were some, a couple of surprises, um, that Denzel Washington got a nomination again for a role that nobody saw except for me. Yeah, that was, that was a really weird one. <laughs> um, but I mean like Timothy Shalomet, it's great that he got, he got a nomination for Calling By Your Name, but Army Hammer was left off for, uh, for supporting actor and he was so good in that role. Um, you know, and uh, Tom Hanks. You realize that Tom Hanks hasn't been nominated since 2001? Wow. Which was, was uh, Castaway. That's 2001. Tom Hanks has not been nominated. That's, that's just Hanks, amazing. What, what has Tom Hanks done since then? <laughs> just a few movies. Just a few yeah. movies, Nothing yeah. Big. He's, you know, he's no big deal. We had a couple surprises in Best Picture and that The Phantom Thread made it in and also Darkest Hour made it in. 
Um, those those were two uh, surprises. Uh, everything, all the other films that got in, I think were pretty much expected to get in. And get out, get out, getting a lot of lot, lot of nominations. Yeah, that, get out, getting honestly, awesome. that, I think that is a surprise because like yeah. people expect it. But then you know you're not, you're they're not surprised if it doesn't get nominated. Like well, well also the fact yeah. that, it, that Get Out was like a March release, too. It's a February so, release. Okay, February release. Yeah. So that, you know that's a and long time ago. And it's a horror film, right? Yeah. Unlike what the Golden Golden Globe say, it is not. <laughs> it's a not a comedy, comedy or musical. Or musical. <laughs> um, no, yeah. my favorite was Guillermo del Toro and Shape of Water. I mean, they led. They lead the Oscars with 13 nominations. So Which is amazing. That was, yeah. That was my that was my favorite of the the announcements. Yeah, I'm I'm scrolling through all of these now trying to see uh the Georgia Love. Baby Driver got some love. Baby sound Driver got three. Sound editing, film editing. Yeah. Which is was to be expected. Like I was hoping that they would take a lot of the the technical okay. ones. But we have to yeah. we have to talk about the, no, no. We have oh. to talk about. We have Ooh, to talk we have about, to talk about the, that too. Well, we have to talk about Boss Baby. How can you nominate Boss Baby? There's just a shortage of like animated movies. I feel like, and that's uh, yeah. yeah it were, shouldn't have been nominated. I mean, it's Lego not gonna ba- win. Lego Batman, Lego Ninjago, Captain Underpants. Those are three right there that were better than Boss Baby. That's yeah. <laughs> so I don't know. It's yeah. That was just disappointing. Yeah, but yeah, DeCab, DeCab Elementary that got nominated. Which, like, which I none of us have about. seen, right? Yeah, no, <laughs> I didn't even know it existed. I didn't I mean, either. Did- I knew of the event that it's based on, the uh, basically the the school shooting that didn't happen because one of the administrators talked the kid down, or talked the person down from from doing anything. Right. But, um, yeah, I had no idea they made a short film about it. So, and do we know if there's any way to see that, or I, is that I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, what under what category is that? Best live action short film. Yeah, yeah. that um, that's they're they're coming. Um, they do they do a thing where they do the the short animated and the short live action, um, and they release them every year before the Oscars. That'll be coming up here probably in a couple of weeks. Um, so yeah, they, that's how we'll be able to see them because they will they will be out and I think I think they come to Landmark in like two weeks. Okay, it's a Landmark in Midtown. It's a place to go see it if you live in Atlanta and want to check these out. Um, but yeah, this overall pretty pretty exciting stuff. I think it's going to yeah. be a good year for uh, Guillermo del Toro, which yeah, makes me I hope so. Happy. Um, well, cool. Well, um, moving right along from. Oscar nominations. Let's head into um, the reign of Jumanji <laughs> at the box office, which is still going strong because it has no competition. Um, yeah. J- Jumanji came in first again for its fifth week at the box office, um, 19.5 million, followed by 12 strong in second with 15 million. Uh, Den of these also in uh, at 15 million and third, the post at fourth, and the greatest showman rounding out the top five. Yeah, I was very so, very surprised by both uh, Twelve Strong and Den Themes doing so well. Uh, that's yeah. that's rather impressive to do do that much. I mean, I expected I did expect Jumanji to be number one again, but I I was thinking maybe one of those wouldn't be um, as uh, as successful just for the simple fact it's basically the same audience they were going after, which is men. Um, I, I, it's funny as I was looking at the numbers today um, and the Greatest Showman, which. You know, we didn't think did that great at the box office, but it, man, it's got legs. Um, it's yeah. done 113 million, and that's that's a pretty impressive uh, mount for for a musical that didn't get a lot of love from the critics and didn't have a lot of word of mouth either. It, and did, it just did from us. Yeah, from it us. Did. Yeah, we but, loved it. <laughs> but but as far as as far as the people talking about it, um, I you know I saw almost nothing on Twitter about it. Um, I've actually seen a lot online so far on social media and stuff like not right when it came out, but like I'm still seeing stuff about it. Right. Which is well, they which did contributes a, to the legs and stuff. Definitely. And they did they did like a live commercial or a yeah, live performance or something yeah. after after the film was released, which I think probably helped as well. 
Yeah. Um, and then they just yeah. got nominated for an Oscar for the song This Is Me, so. They're doing all right. Yeah. <laughs> they had a production budget of $84 million, so they, they're they in good shape uh, now at $113 uh, million in gross, so they're doing all right. But the movie you want everybody to go see is Paddington 2, so. Mm. Which, which is came be, in sixth. Which is going to be actually losing 900 theaters this weekend, unfortunately. Yeah, <laughs> so, so Paddington's... Go, go see it. Go support the movie. <laughs> Paddington's on its way out. But, uh... And, and on that note, um, we don't have, like... It's January has been such a sad month for us because there's like nothing going on. Um, so we're going to review um, the opening night film from the Atlanta uh, Jewish Film Festival, Sammy Davis Jr., I've Gotta Be Me. And then we're going to follow up by possibly the only other movie I feel like coming out this month, Maze Runner. <laughs> right? Is there anything yeah. com- else coming well, out this I mean, month? Um, that's um, the hot- last big movie. Well, no. no now here's the other thing is that because we're in Atlanta, we get a lot of movies before a lot of other people do. Hostiles is going uh, wide this weekend. So the rest of the country is actually going to be able to go see Hostiles, um, which is a Christian Bale film, a a Western. That's Um, terrible. I liked it. (laughs) Great endorsements. (laughs) (laughs) I hated that movie. Yeah, see, I liked it, but I love Western. So, Um, but uh, it it is going wide uh, this week. I think, I think that finally, Jumanji will come in number two. I think the Maze Runner will beat it, but just barely, um, like yeah. around 17 or 18. The, I mean, the other problem with Maze Runner is the fact that it's been three years since the last one was released because um, um, what's-his-name got hurt Dylan making the second it. one. Dylan, not Dylan what? Uh, Dylan, oh, Dylan O'Brien. O'Brien. Yeah. yeah, Dylan O'Brien got hurt making the second one, and so they had No, to, he got hurt making this one. I thought it was the I thought it was the second one that he got hurt in. No, it was the beginning of this one that he got hurt in. Oh, okay. Yeah. So he got anyway. he got hurt in the uh, basically it's almost the opening scene of the movie, at least I from he got hurt in like uh, he was jumping from a train. That's what the report said when it first came out when they were filming. Right. And which that happens in like the opening scene. It's like this train heist kind of where they're trying to rescue one of the friends, and um, yeah. They first like delayed production for only a couple of months, but then like they delayed it production for a year. So like they didn't start filming again until March of 2017. So I think that's yeah. one of the, I think that's one of the problems with this mo- with this movie is that we any anybody that saw the second one and I actually liked the first and second one. Um, I went back and looked at my reviews and I actually gave it a fairly good review both for both of them. Um, so, it, but it'll just be interesting to see what the box office is. But I, I think they'll come in first. How much do you think it'll make? I'm look. I'm thinking around seventeen, eighteen million. Um, with okay. Jumanji coming in second, like around fifteen million. Well, we shall see next week. Um, all right. Well, let's uh, let's move into our official Atlas reviews, and um, let's start with the. Uh, the film we saw last night. You want to set that one up, Mike? Sure. So, uh, Sammy Davis Jr., if you don't know who he was, he was a, I mean, incredible um, performer that could sing, dance, do impressions. Um, he was a, a fine actor also. Um, and he loved, lived a very interesting life. Um, he was on the stage for over 60 years. Um, he started out as a child performer. In fact, didn't go to school at all. He he was touring with his father and his uncle, and was part of this uh, this trio of dancers and singers uh, that performed. And basically, he toured his whole life. Um, he was an amazing, amazing singer. Um, he only had a couple of hits, uh, but he was also part of the legendary Rat Pack. Um, and he was also a groundbreaking actor, especially on Broadway. He, he appeared in uh, Golden Boy, which was a musical um, um, that uh, broke a lot of barriers, race barriers, because it's a, uh, an interracial story, love story between a up and coming boxer and a young woman um, who's white. And 
So it just uh, he just led a very interesting life. And this this film uses because he was so prolific and he it seemed like, um, as the director said last night from my childhood also, uh, it seemed like Sammy Davis Jr. was on your television almost every week doing something, whether he was acting or whether he was singing a song or doing a comedy skit or appearing on Laugh-In or, you know, one of the variety shows like Ed Sullivan. Um, he just was a very prolific man and um, just an amazing, amazing performer. And it uses this, this film uses a ton of television appearances um, he also appeared on a ton of talk shows, so we get to hear about his life through the talk shows. <laughs> as as Fozzie, <laughs> Fozzie says, and Fozzie is here. Yeah, Fozzie says, um, "I'm a performer, also." <laughs> um, do you, you guys keep going. I'm going to confiscate this toy from her. <laughs> so it it uses, and, but they even have footage of Sammy Davis Jr. when he was, I think, four or five, and he was in a short film uh, with. Um, Esther Waters, um, where he performed a couple of songs and did a dance um, that is just amazing for a four-year-old to be able to do that. Um, and, and so it, it's got a ton of material. So there's there's not a lot of talking heads, um, per se, although they, they do have interviews with um, Billy Crystal and with uh, Jerry Lewis. And it was one of the last interviews that Jerry Lewis did before he died. And I didn't know how close Jerry Lewis was to uh, to um, Sammy Davis Jr. <clears throat> so it's uh, that's the life story of Sam. This is the life story of Sammy Davis Jr. And it's a really interesting film. Mm. It is. Um, we missed you at it, Matt. Yeah, I know. Sorry, <laughs> I couldn't make it. No worries. Um, well, let's uh, let's walk into our our official review. Um, were you bored at all during this one, Mike? I was not, uh, but just because they kept the pace going and uh, they did a unique thing in that um, he, the film was, was made out in sections. So one of it would be talking about his, his singing and then another section would be talking about his, his uh, activism, you know, especially uh, during the civil rights movement. Um, so it just kept moving and kept and he was such an interesting guy also that that helps a great deal when your subject matter is so interesting and so dynamic and that, I love the performances I mean there was I'd forgotten how good a singer he was and how great a dancer he was he was an amazing dancer especially with uh, doing tap yeah that's uh that was something that I don't think that I knew about um, that he was such an amazing tap dancer Um but that was really cool to see. I think they did a really good job of, you know, the the talking heads and the audio voiceovers that they had and kind of blending that with a lot of footage that they had. And uh, like you mentioned, the pace of it, it was a really fast paced um, film, which was great because it never lost your attention. Um, so I wasn't bored at all either. I think it was a really well done documentary. Uh, moving moving along, um, eye rolling factor. Um I feel like it's it's weird, like reviewing a documentary with like our typical things, because uh, number one, there's not going to be like a best actor. There's not going to be a worst performance. I'm assuming um, Sammy Davis Jr. was the best. Yeah, he's the best. Um, but yeah, like eye rolling. I don't I I wasn't rolling my eyes at all. I don't know if you were, Mike. No, there's no amount of eye rolling. I mean, because it's it's such a well told tale. And then it's such an interesting tale. I mean, he he. He lived a life, um, and it was told in a really interesting way, too. So I enjoyed that aspect of it. It was. It was funny. At the end, they had um, a Q&A with the director, and so many of the audience questions were kind of revolving around um, his romantic life and, you know, the, the numerous wives he had, particularly his last wife, which he, uh, I guess, was with for 30 years, and she wasn't mentioned in the film. Um, but they made a they made a joke at one point about how they uh, they they just needed to make a sequel about all of his uh, his romantic uh, relationships that he had over the years. But even that, I mean, all of it was really really fascinating. From looking at you know his professional life to his personal life to the you know the causes that he felt really passionate about. Um, obviously, no real Atlanta recognition factor here as as normal <laughs> with the. With I feel like all of the films we've reviewed lately, um, 
But uh, overall, on the scale of one to five on the official Atlas scale, what would you give this one, Mike? Um, I would give it a 4.5. Okay. All right. Is there anything you, what do you, what's that 0.5 for? What do you feel like they could have done better? Um, uh, I don't think there's a lot that they could have done better. Um, I, I, I really enjoyed it. Um, cause, and it's also, I think I'm, I'm giving it a little less because I think it's an easy material because he was so dynamic. I think yeah. the, I think the, the probably the problem was for this filmmaker is what not to include because because there was right. you know there was so much material that we saw in this film from so many different sources. Um, so uh, that's that's it's just I, I wasn't I didn't I guess I'm I'm saying I didn't fall in love with the film, but I really liked it a lot. I think that's that's fair. I would give it a four, um, not necessarily because there's anything that I didn't like, yeah. but it's uh, yeah. what, what's that point? What's that one? Full, one point four. <laughs> I mean, it's really it's it's a it's a great documentary, but it's it's I didn't fall in love with it. I, I liked it. I didn't love it. Um, but that being said, it was really entertaining. It was really informative. And, you know, I could have watched another hour of it, honestly. Um, it was it was a really good film. Uh, and a really great one to to open up the film festival with too, I think. Which, by the way, um, the reason why I was shown at the Atlanta Jewish Film Festival is because um, he got into a horrific car accident, uh, which he lost his eye, and um, he was searching for a religion that met his values and his beliefs, and so he converted to Judaism. Um, so he was a Jew. Um, and that's the reason why I did. That's the basically the connection with with the Atlanta Jewish Film Festival. Yeah, and that's uh, not something I knew either. I had no idea that he was uh, that he had converted to converted. That I mean, that was overall. It was there was a lot that I that I learned about him, and it was just is a great film. Nice. Um, so yeah, m- moving right along to our next film, uh, Maze Runner, which I did not see, but. Uh, both of you saw, right? Yep. Yep. Okay, cool. Um, well, Matt, you want to set this one up for us? Yeah. So, Maze Runner, the the Death Cure is the third and final chapter in the, the Maze Runner saga coming after the Maze Runner and the Maze Runner Scorch Trials. Um, basically, this one is Thomas. They've escaped the glades. Um, they've made it across the deserts. And now they are breaking into what... Um, is called the last city which is this safe haven that wicked controls where they're trying to basically keep everybody safe and keep everybody cure by um from the the whatever the zombie virus that is going around and so they're breaking in to rescue one of their fellow gladers um min minho and so it's them trying to break in and trying to basically stop Wicked from taking any more gladers and yeah and basically they're trying to find out all the the answers as to what's going on why would they were put in the maze to begin with and you know you know it 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 tries to wrap everything up well um tries how to. did it do and yeah how did it, it do and wrapping tries. everything up i mean <laughs> Technically, yes, it wraps everything up, but um, it does so just in a terrible, terrible way. And, like, you don't care about it at all because it's things – it makes ma- – basically makes up things for the third film that you're just looking at. And you're like, what? Like, that makes no sense at all. Like, there are so many plot holes in this film. And the biggest, for me at least, has to do with Thomas because apparently he's the key to everything. And yet, it was Wicked that put him in the maze to begin with to figure it out. So, like, this movie basically makes everything that happened in the past absolutely pointless. From my understanding, at least. Granted, yes, it has been a while. Like we discussed earlier, it's been three years since the last film. So, like, I still don't exactly remember all the little finite details to the story and everything. But, like, from what I remember, like, this one makes little sense 
Well, and, and for what wow. for what I understand, um, it I did I didn't read the books, so I, I don't know this for sure. But from what I've heard, is that um, it takes some vast turns from the from the book. Um, that it's very very different from the book, um, and so that that's always going to upset uh, the, the fans of the books um, because these were these were very popular YA books. So see, I'm okay if. If it does that, but if it does it well, right? But it, that's what I'm saying. Well. <laughs> the, 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 this 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 plot hole is is huge, 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 and then the ending is just so contrived. Um, I mean, we're not going to give it away, but man, it because it it's just I, I I can't describe it because I don't want to give away any of the plot endings. But uh, I was just like, come, I that, well, when we get to eye rolling, I'll talk about it a little more. <laughs> <laughs> Well, um, before we get to Ireland, uh, let's talk about boredom factor. Were you guys bored at all during this one? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's just like it goes through. It feels so one one thing. It feels so dated with the whole young adult novel stuff. Like it does definitely feel out of like 2016, which is like kind of when or 2017 when when it should have come out originally. So like a lot of the stuff material does feel dated and you're just kind of like, okay, like we've seen this time and time again with different series and stuff. And like, it doesn't do anything particularly well. So like, you're not blown away by any of it. There's nothing new here. It's just, eh, it's just, okay, whatever. It's also extremely long. It's two hours and 22 minutes in length. And it feels like two hours and 22 minutes. Well, um, were you rolling your eyes for that entire two hours and 20 minutes? I wasn't rolling my eyes. It's some of, there's some really good action sequences um, that I enjoyed. Um, I'm, but, but there's also these really awkward... I mean, there's this one scene that was just so awkward where there's a, uh, an older man, uh, probably in his 50s, and he's very close with one of the Gladers. And... If there's just one scene that's just really got it's got some creepy vibes to it, um, where they're they're saying goodbye and it's just it's just weird. It's just a weird scene. I just thought that was just such a weird scene because it was more like lovers saying goodbye than it was a, a father and daughter kind of relationship. You talking about Gus? Yeah. Oh, Gus from Breaking Bad, <laughs> Giancarlo. Aww. Giancarlo Esposito. Now, there's a name I had to look up how to say before I interviewed him the first time. Fun, fun fact. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but um, well, I mean, eye rolling. Like I said, the 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 ending of this movie is I was rolling my eyes all over the place because it just wasn't making sense and it was just badly done. I mean, that was to be that was like that was for me that was like the perfect stereotypical young adult novel ending. Like it hit absolute cheese factor like perfectly like i expected that from the beginning almost of how how they wrap things up and it was just like oh my god like i was just waiting for it to be done just like hurry up and well um is there any good acting in this is <laughs> there any performances that stood out to you guys either particularly good or particularly bad i mean i've always liked ki hong lee you know he plays minho in this and like he is like he is the driving force of this movie like he's why Thomas and everybody is you know trying to rescue him and invade this fortified city just because of him which is kind of weird because like they leave everybody else behind like they don't care about anybody else it's like oh we got to rescue this our one guy but oh forget forget these other gladers who we spent time with and it's just like there's some awkward scenes like that. It's like, yeah, we rescued you, but we were really trying to rescue this other guy. So, good job. I, but, I liked uh, I liked Dylan O'Brien. Um, I think that he's he's grown into the role. Um, I that w- I thought he was kind of weak in the first one, but I think that he's 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 got that charisma and that you know that 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 uh, leadership kind of deal that you want in a leading guy. Um, so I thought he was good. I like or I was I didn't like Walton Goggins. I love Walton Goggins, the actor, but um, 
he was terrible in this and his character was terrible in this like oh my god like he does there are, the things he does are just absolutely ridiculous and you're just like really like this goes back to what we were saying about the plot holes and it's just like his is the most useless character in the entire film i would th- i would say i i didn't like um uh kaya scoldelaro who plays teresa the love interest for thomas i thought she was incredibly wooden on screen um, and just, just was really bad as an actress on it, on the, on the screen. We got to interview her for Scorch Trials. Yep, Fun well. fact. Oh yeah. That was a while ago. Her and, um, Will, Will Poulter and who was the third one? I think there was a third one. I know Dylan O'Brien was supposed <clears throat> to be there, but he couldn't make it. I think it was just those two. Was it just them two? Yeah, I think we were supposed to have three, and then we only did mm. did the two. Well, um, this one obviously was not filmed in Georgia. It was filmed in uh, South Africa, in Cape Town. And uh, I guess that, that brings us into our overall score. Overall official Atlas score, what would you, what would you guys... This is not going to be good. You're not going to give this a good, good score. I mean... You can feel it. We, we are, no, it's going to be a five. It's a ten. <laughs> Um, we are in January, so I'm I'm giving it I'm giving it like a one point two five. Ouch! Know, it's yeah, it's it's not a good film. Like Mike said, some of the action scenes are are decent, and like the visual effects are cool, I guess. Mm-hmm. But like, it doesn't it doesn't do anything. Like it's it feels like a waste of the franchise. And like I like the first one, the second one wasn't good. And then this one is just terrible. I'll give it a two. Because um, I did like the action sequences. Um, but I sure did like it like I liked the other the other two. Well, that doesn't sound overly promising, you guys. You know what you need to see. You need to go to the UK because they recut it in the UK in order to secure a 12A rating, which apparently means that anyone under 12 um, is good to go see it. So maybe it'll be a better movie in the UK. That sounds like it would be a worse movie. <laughs> well, maybe. That they would like they would cut all the good stuff, like cut all the action out. All of the action that Mike liked uh, so is probably that, gone so that from everybody it. can see it. <laughs> well, um, that doesn't sound overly promising, but uh, I guess that's an option this no. weekend if people want to I mean, hey, go check it out. If you're tired of seeing Jumanji for the fourth time. <laughs> <laughs> that's uh, another option that you have. Go um, see Paddington too. <laughs> <laughs> We've been saying that for weeks. Well, um, we are going to have some cool stuff to talk about next week. Um, It's still going to be light on the film side, I feel like, until we we get going here in February. We've got some good stuff coming up next month. We'll have Black Panther next month, which I feel like is the first movie I'm really excited for. Um, If there's any of you out there, any of you that are Fifty Shades fans, um, Fambolt is giving away a bunch of passes to the Fifty Shades Freed screening, which I think is February 7th. Um, so you can go check that out online if you want to see a free movie. Um, we're also going to have some cool stuff for you guys next week. We're going to uh, the Big Apple Circus opening night here in Atlanta tomorrow. And just a little bit of background information on that circus. Um, it was founded in 1977, and their mission was actually to present a authentic and thrilling circus um, circus acts in the intimacy of a one-ring big top. So there's no seat in the entire tent that's more than 50 feet away from the performers. And they also um, have a, uh, a very strong kind of um, feeling against maintaining a vital no wild or exotic animal policy. So there's there's no wild or exotic animals in the circus. Yeah, and, so and I'm really be- I'm really excited to see uh, Kurt Willinda. Um, he's of the famous Flying Willindas. He's the guy that um, you know uh, will uh, tightrope across the Grand Canyon or tightrope uh, you know across two gigantic buildings and. Um, it, it's just going to be amazing. They're going to do this uh, this balancing act that's just amazing, where it's literally a pyramid of people, and they're they're all you know their foundation is just one person, and they're on the, the high wire. 
um, and that's just going to be amazing. There's also a uh, trapeze act that um, is supposed to be just uh, brilliant um, and uh, does something that uh, does some sort of jump that um, nobody else has ever done in the world. So this should be a lot of fun. Uh, I, as a kid, wanted to run away to the circus. I wanted to be in the circus. So um, I, I love the circus, especially. What would your uh, What would your act have been? Well, I, I, you know, um, after having seen uh, Cirque du Soleil uh, and the guy that actually made it into Cirque du Soleil with yo-yos, so I would have tried to have done something with yo-yos, um, or okay. or a clown, or a clown. Well, I feel like the world has enough clowns. That's just my, my personal feeling from seeing as many horror movies as I've seen with clowns in them. Um, but the yo-yo thing, that would have been pretty cool. Um, this kind of sounds like uh, like a more intimate version of Cirque, uh, just from the, the text descriptions I've read. I haven't seen any of the commercials or um, really done a whole lot of research into this yet. So I'm kind of, I'm interested to see like how it... Uh, how it compares to my expectations tomorrow night. So we'll yeah. we'll talk about that next week. And uh, yeah, it's was actually... A, there was a documentary series on the Big Apple Circus about probably three or four years ago that I watched. And it's just fascinating um, how, you know, that it was, and it showed you behind the scenes stuff on, on not only the performers, but also the people that have to put together the tent and, and uh, take care of all the, all the, the, you know, the props and everything else. Um, so it should be fun. No, I think it'll be it'll be a, a lot of fun. And if you are in Atlanta, it's uh, again opening night is tomorrow, or I guess today if you guys are listening to this on January twenty sixth. Um, and it's going to be here in Atlanta through February twenty fifth at the Verizon Amphitheater. So um, you can look for information about that at the big or excuse me at www.bigapplecircus.com. And uh, we'll let you we'll let you guys know how it is next week. And then we're also going to have um, we're still waiting for the details from ATV Fest, uh, SCAD's uh, television festival that they do every year. Um, I feel like every year it's it's uh, closer and closer to the festival that we get details, which is a little a little nerve wracking for those of us that are trying to plan things out. But it's OK. Yeah. It's cool. Um, I will be interviewing the, the cast of ash versus the evil dead for season three at least i've kind of confirmed that with not atv fest but um the actual with stars people with stars themselves so and they've got a couple yeah. of cw shows uh there uh, black lightning and dynasty both shows that are shot here in atlanta so it'll be fun it will and they're actually going to be honoring um alan cumming who is going to be here with instinct and alex inks zach braff so uh i think matt and i have our fingers crossed that we're going to get to interview zach braff because oh i am i am going to do everything in my power to to get that (laughs) interview because i am a huge scrubs fan and it's like that is that has been one of my goals for getting since getting into writing about films and TV and all that stuff, it's like I've already interviewed Donald Faison, so I've already interviewed um, John C. McGinley. I did that at Comic Con, which was awesome. And so, but yeah, Zach Braff would be a huge get. It would be, and I'm really looking forward to this uh, new Alex Inc. show. Um, yeah. It kind of revolves around the the startup space, and it's going to be on ABC. It's ABC, I think. Yeah, um, ABC here soon so i haven't seen the pilot um they haven't had it up on the media room but i'm really excited for it because i love the subject matter and i love zach braff so it's in my mind it's got to be great so um there's also some other um stuff if none of that sounds like your cup of tea they're also having um a panel with american horror story unreal mozart in the jungle um, and even a little HGTV panel, which I think is, um, I think they have some of the, the cast from the new, uh, flip or flop or flipping some flip show that's here <laughs> filming in Atlanta. It's not, it's not the Gaineses. That's all I know. It's not Chip and Joanna Gaines. Um, I would be fangirling out if Fixer Upper was here. <laughs> um, but we'll keep you guys posted on that. That actually starts, I believe, on Thursday. I think it's yes. Thursday, Friday, and Saturday. Yep. Um, so if you guys want to um, check out more information about that, I think it's just atvfest.com. Yep, atvfest.com. Um, you can look at getting tickets and passes and uh, see the full schedule there. And then last but not least, I, I guess we're going to have a 
one film review next week. What how's how's this yeah. working, guys? Yeah. This French this French film, Happy this End. This French film, Happy End. Um Yeah, it's basically about a middle class family living in Calias. Calias? I don't know how to say it. Some French place, I imagine. Some place in France. Some French place. <laughs> but um yeah, they basically it's how they all kind of deal with some setbacks and stuff and yeah. It's it's pretty dark film. It's from um, Michael Henke. He did uh, what was it? Uh, he did Amour. Um, he did Funny People or fun, Funny oh, Games. Yeah. Funny Games, not Funny People. Funny Games. Um, I didn't but, see that one. I saw Funny People. No, yeah. <laughs> funny Games is this really dark. Um, he did both the the original foreign film and the uh, the the remake the american remake of it but it's just like this twisted horror thriller that's weird it's a weird movie he's a weird director but yeah (laughs) so we'll we'll be talking about that next next week and then shortly thereafter we'll be getting into normal movies (laughs) and then january ends and we can get to the good stuff like black panther and yes there's so much good stuff coming um, as the year gets rolling. And, and so. Fifty Shades Darker, or Fifty Shades... What is it? Freed. Even... Fifty Shades Freed. Fifty Shades the Freed. Final, like... The final climactic ending. Is it, <laughs> is it the final? Are I don't they, know. Are they going to Just... be splitting the last book into two two movies? Think, is this part I one? I think they gave... <laughs> Breaking Dawn, part one and part two. Um, which, by the way, MTV has been marathoning nothing but Twilight. And as a girl that wants to like sit down on the couch, a couch and watch some catfish, it has been very disturbing <laughs> the last few days to have so much Twilight on. Um, that being said, that's relevant to this discussion because Fifty Shades is actually was originally written as Twilight fan fiction, um, which is a whole whole nother level of disturbing. <laughs> which we, tells we, you we, the we quality we're dealing with here. <laughs> Now, the question is, will, will I be able to avoid this one? Because I was able to avoid the other two. Now, my, my rule my rule is if I get invited to a screening and if I can attend, I attend the screening, as we saw with My Little Pony. So Don't, don't blame your rule on that. We know you love that movie, Mike. So, I know. Don't, don't blame the rule. So it'll be interesting to see whether or not something comes up and I can avoid this third one since I haven't seen the other two. How are you going to know, like, what's going on if you missed the, the first the two, only, The only reason why I'm, I'm actually going to go see this movie is because my friend Ariel Kebbell is in it. That's true. She is in it. Um, that was a, a pleasant surprise when I saw the trailer, actually. Um, anyways, we'll be, be talking about all of that next week and the weeks to come. So thank you guys for listening. Again, this is the Atlas podcast. Uh, Please review us wherever you can. SoundCloud, iTunes, uh, leave us comments. Uh, We'd love to hear from you on social media, on the site, wherever. We're we're around. Um, Again, thank you guys for listening. My name is Emma Loggins, editor-in-chief at fanbolt.com. And I'm Matt Rodriguez, the owner-in-chief editor of shakefire.com. I'm Mike McKinney of lastonetheleavethetheater.com and atlcw.tv. And I hate my little pony. Lies. 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 Just lies. He loves why, it. Why are you lying, Mike? <laughs> I, tell lie fans. I, tell lie fans. I tell the truth. I tell the truth. I tell the truth.